Because, I mean, in truth, you could take down every one of those missionaries. <laughs> He's like, let me show you a little crop again. Okay. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Reason Together, the podcast for Christians who think about stuff. That's right. The podcast for Christians who think about stuff. That's right. The. Emphasis on the podcast, right? Uh, I am your host, Thomas. Uh, guess who I'm looking at? Guess who I'm here with? I'm here with Daniel, as That's always, right. of course. And great to be here. Excited about, uh, yes. about jumping back in this morning. We want to, as we begin, we want to thank our patrons uh, who have gone over to patreon.com slash reason together and uh, committed to, to support this podcast. Um, and I, I sure appreciate uh, your, um, your investment in what we do. And uh, thank you so much for that. If you're interested yes. in supporting what we do here, feel free to go to patreon.com slash reason together. We, um, we have seen here in recent months kind of bringing it a full circle in a way where we've uh, the podcast has grown and then we, we added the blog. And then, of course, in, in the process, we're doing uh, a lot of the background stuff, especially you, Tom, I feel like. Um, and then finally getting to the place where we have a, a podcast editor uh, and then a blog editor and, um, and maybe probably not being paid everything that they're worth, but, uh, but at least having somebody on board to take that off our shoulders and to, and yes. to just keep focusing on uh, what we love doing. And that is to, to talk uh, mm -hmm. about these things and to write um, meaningful blog posts. And so that's great. Yeah. Yeah. And the reason we're able to afford hiring said people. Yes. Is all thanks to our patrons right. uh, who generously give uh, their money to support this podcast. And we'd sure love it if you would consider jumping on board as one as well over at patreon.com slash reason together. Now, I'm going to tell you, probably the better part of this episode, uh, and this is really exciting, is going to be feedback. We've had a lot of feedback in the last week. Um, yes, so, and, and we like to encourage that, that if you have a thought, you have a question, maybe it's related to something that we've talked about. Um, some, some people may be blazing through past episodes, you know, we're up to almost 150. Now you're listening to past shows, or if you're an elite patron, the, the bonus episodes, you've got several of those. Um, uh, and maybe some of that is, is triggering some, some thoughts in your mind or some questions, or it's just something that comes up out of the blue. You're, you're in your day-to-day -day life. And all of a sudden you say, you know, what, what about that? And yeah. you'd like, you'd like to hear a discussion about it. Um, and, and don't think, sometimes you might feel like a question is silly and it's not necessarily, I think there is such a thing as a silly question, but really there's a lot that we in life need to connect and say, well, how does that fit into the life of a Christian? And how are we supposed mm -hmm. to think about that and be balanced? And we would love to entertain sure. that question. So you feel free to send that our way at reason together podcast at gmail.com. Yeah. And there is one patron who jumped on board recently who has been getting right after it, going mm -hmm. onto the message board and communicating and sending in emails and doing a good job there. That is uh, James McGowan has joined us as a patron of uh, our podcast. James, welcome. Th thank you. Yes. We appreciate you coming on board. Now, All right. I, I have to say, before we, we, we started, um, you and I were just in a brief discussion and... Um, and about a goatee and a mustache. Um, and I am, yes. and I, you know, I just, it's not a big deal, but I'm starting to let it grow out here, you know, uh -huh. and, and I'm certainly less of an Esau and more of a Jacob. So I'm, I'm not a hairy man. Um, ah. So it kind of takes a while. But anyway, you, you, you kind of maybe comforted me slash intrigued me by saying that there actually is a style 
of goatee called the Shakespearean style, <laughs> which I, I, you know, Fu Manchu, I'd heard of Fu Manchu where you sort of connect the, uh, the, uh, yeah. the mustache into the goatee. But for those who like really just can't grow it there and don't want to do like a comb down, you know, like let it grow for, <laughs> for seven months and then just comb it down. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you actually have a separation there and it's a Shakespearean style goatee. Yeah. I think that's yeah. pretty cool. And it now, I can't cool promise too. you, I can't promise you that that is in vogue, <laughs> um, <laughs> but it is actually has a name. It has a title. It has a thing. Yeah. It's a thing. And but, it probably uh, looks better if it's gray. Honestly, I'm just saying, if I think of Shakespeare and I think of this guy, like in a robe and this like, yeah, just Shakespearean to me, he has to be almost old. I, I was thinking more jet black, something I, jet black, I, Okay, but you can't really pass it off without a very large hat. With a very large feather <laughs> oh. sticking out of it, and maybe tights that you wouldn't feel comfortable wearing. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, okay. That, but yeah. that's not uh, that's not required in order to have a Shakespearean no. and, style. And no, and a very puffy shirt. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking those. And yeah. uh, okay. All right, so there you go. There's uh, your little tidbit for the day. If you didn't know that there's a Shakespearean style goatee. Uh, fellas, hey, go for it. Yeah. Give it a shot. See, that know? that is what you need to sign up for this podcast for. That is that is it right there. Gold the, nuggets, just the, like that. <laughs> the podcast for Christians who think about stuff. And some That's of that right. stuff happens to be goatees. But anyway. Right. Sure. Uh, okay. Uh, let's, Hit me with some feedback. <laughs> okay. Well, wait, to where to start? I, I want to... I was particularly... Uh, pleased by this one here i was like uh oh man he started throwing in some scripture i'm like oh there you go uh trying to make connections there and that's great he was uh this is from matthew and he was responding to episode 145 and we had talked about you you brought up the question of uh, how people treat their pets yeah remind everybody it was me <laughs> okay and uh Go ahead. so so and the one who the the evil villain who brought up the mm -hmm. uh the, the the cat hater who brought up the mm -hmm. question was no i'm just kidding about about pets uh you know some people seem to will really elevate their pet almost to a well they're a family member and they're like mm -hmm. human and they just they treat and of course especially in america i think you have with America and money and technology, you have the wherewithal to really pamper your pet. Mm -hmm. So anyway, we were just kind of discussing that uh, scenario and, and how the scripture does say um, uh, that we referenced this verse that the, a righteous man regardeth the life of his beast. So he's not cruel to his animals. Well, Matthew makes a point. Uh, he said, uh, if there is a line we're not supposed to cross in treating animals like humans, the Bible does not make that clear. Interesting. I think God is simply not concerned about that because no matter how we treat animals, it's impossible to bring them up to a human level. He created them lower. Now, I would say God does care about it because he just cares about us living wisely and making every decision appropriately. Um, but the way he's saying that there's not a specific verse that says, how far to treat your animal nicely. It simply says, don't, mm -hmm. don't treat them cruelly, essentially. Um, yeah. So, but yes, the God did create them lower. He goes on to say, the Bible doesn't say anything about treating your animal too well. It only condemns treating it poorly. 
Um, he mentions that he has dogs, but he's never going to be called dad by any dog. You know, um, some people kind of call the, their pet their their kid. You know, their their next mm-hmm. kid. Um, yeah. But he says he has no problem with people who want to do that. Um, so he thought we had a good discussion going, but he mentions a few passages to consider. This is interesting. Um, Second Samuel twelve three, when Nathan confronts David. Um, about his sin with Bathsheba, Nathan uses an illustration of a little lamb. And he says, uh, and I'm quoting here from the email, not from looking at uh, at the scripture, but here it says, uh, I believe it's brought and nourished up. The lamb was brought and nourished up or bought and nourished up. And it grew up together with him and with his children. It did eat of his own meat and drank of his own cup and lay in his bosom and was unto him as a daughter. Interesting. A lot of people, he says, would consider this treating the lamb like a human. However, it was not weird in that society. The man's attachment to the lamb was just understood. David even defended the man, saying that the rich man who stole it from him should die. Now, he does make the fair point here, and I think this is a good balance. Um, God doesn't specifically condone it, but it was the illustration that God apparently chose to use through the prophet Nathan. Interesting. I wouldn't have uh, remembered that I, I didn't during our discussion remember that terminology, how in such mm-hmm. endearing terms he described that animal yeah. in well, its relationship I, to the man. Sure. And, and to be clear, though, I mean, he mentions it is an illustration. Yes. It was a parable. In fact, perhaps the only parable given in the Old Testament. Um, but it is a parable. It's not saying that that was normative for their society. And it's certainly not saying that everyone should treat a pet as if it's their child. And, and right. It's, and taking it, it is taking, for illustration. Illustrative purposes. Right. And taking a doctrine from an illustration is pretty sketchy. But um, then he goes on with Luke 14, 5, which says, which of you shall have an ass or an ox fallen into a pit and will not straightway pull him out on the Sabbath day? Now, he's he's mentioning that passage in reference to the statement that you, the cruel cat hater, brought out that said, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> if, you're, if, your dog, if your dog runs out the door or whatever, and, and he, he runs away right before church, um, and then do you, do you miss church to go look for the dog, mm-hmm. or do you just, well, we're going to go to church. When we get back, we'll you know, deal with the issue. Um, so he do says, you... I know... What's that? Go ahead. Go ahead. Finish reading it. Yeah. This paragraph says, I know that Sabbath is not the same as church and Jesus wasn't condoning missing church, but it was just understood that if your animal was in trouble, you were going, uh, you, uh, I think he means you weren't going to break the Sabbath to help it. Um, Okay. So so what do you see? What do you see as a key difference though? The key difference I see is when- Between that and today and the illustration I gave. Yes. I would say the difference is that um, to me- the ox is actually in trouble. He's fallen into the pit. He's in a he's in a bad situation. Where if my dog runs away, he's running around the streets. Okay, you know what I mean. It's not he's not going to starve to death in the next three hours, mm-hmm. um, or whatever. I I can go look for yeah. him. He's not endangered per se, and he's not hurt. Where the ox falling into the ditch or into a pit, um, I don't. Yeah, I guess you could say, yeah, well, just wait not- three hours. But what was that's your... not the difference I was thinking. Okay. The difference is that was an agrarian society. If your ox or your ass ah. fell in the ditch, that was your that was your money. That was that's, your business. That, that was, was your, like your work. That's like your car falling in. That's like your tractor falling in the pit. Well, even really? worse I mean, than your tractor falling in the pit. I mean, this was much of your, well, I guess, yeah, it'd be akin to a tractor falling in the pit. It, it inhibits your ability 
right. to do your work and subsist afterwards because yes. your beast of burden is in a ditch. Whereas a pet is more of a novelty in many ways. It's not how you subsist. Which even even in the case of, say, the, the lamb with the man in the illustration, uh, you know, in that society, you have to imagine that yeah, it never mentions specifically in scripture that anyone had a pet. Right. As we understand pet, that we just have it solely for our pleasure and it just lives and then we, you know, prolong its life as long as possible just to give us pleasure. Um, they, you know, they, okay, so he loved the lamb, but eventually was he going to kill it and eat it? I don't know. I mean, the illustration doesn't say. Well, but. <laughs> the, the illustration is, is mum on that. But I mean, most of the time when we see lambs cared for that preciously in the Old Testament, the purpose was for them to be a sacrifice. Sacrifice. Uh, interesting. Yeah. Um, and then lastly, he mentions uh, in Luke, get, get your reaction on this. Uh, a few verses later, same passage, Luke 14, 11 through 12, Jesus says, the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep and that a hireling wouldn't do that. A good shepherd would sacrifice time, comfort, convenience, his resources for his sheep because he loves them. It was understood that a good shepherd would even sacrifice his life for his animal. Yeah. Okay. So what's and, your take and- on that? Well, my take on that is there's still a difference there between pet ownership and what, what this verse is talking about here. Yes. Um, and that's right. the thing. I want to make sure, and I, I'm not disagreeing with what Matthew is saying. He's making very good points. But in a sense, it is conflating what we were we were arguing with a different subject. Um, yes. He's, he's yeah. talking about mistreatment of animals of any kind. We're talking about the elevation of novelty beings. Uh, to a to an unhealthy degree. That's what we're talking about. In this verse here, a good shepherd giving his life for the sheep, that's his duty. He's been hired to protect the livelihood of someone else. And if he's just there for the paycheck, right? If he's just a, an hourly employee just there for the paycheck, he's not going to give his life for the sheep. But mm-hmm. if he's a worker who actually cares about the job, cares about doing well, he's going to give his life for the sheep, right? But again, this is not the same thing as someone having a novelty pet, right? Um, sometimes people have livestock. They might have a cow or they might have a horse that does work or, or these other sorts of things. Or they might, they, they, I mean, who knows? They could be using them for any number of things. Um, you know, if they can't do what needs to be done at times because they elevate these animals higher than the priorities of life, mm-hmm. something is wrong. That's my point. Yeah. You know, and another example would be, you know, someone has <clears throat> someone has a small farm, right? But the Lord calls them to the mission field, right? Or he calls them to some to move somewhere, go somewhere. And like, well, you know, no, I don't want to give up these animals, right? <laughs> They're not doing what needs to be done because they have an emotional attachment to these animals. But someone someone who realizes the priorities of life, when God calls you, there's something higher. You say, you know what? As much as I'm emotionally attached to these things, I need to do what needs to be done, right? Yes, Um, and that even animals are not. It it may be emotional attachment to something else. Animals just tend to really grab our emotions sometimes. Yes, because they are soul-ish beings, right? To use the the Old Testament nefesh, right? They are soul-ish. They seem animate. They seem lifelike, but they're not human in this in the same way that we are as as people in the image of God. Correct. Correct. Right. Good. Yeah. So so yeah, I think Matthew's arguments are great if you're talking about the treatment of animals. Well, we would never advocate for the gross mistreatment of animals. Right. Um, what we're saying is the misprioritizing 
of animals that aren't really for a purpose, that are more for our emotional comfort and novelty, and elevating that to the point where we're unwilling to do yeah. what God expects of us because of an emotional comfort issue. Yeah. And then his last paragraph here, he kind of says, uh, I think this whole issue becomes a problem when Christians draw their line and then judge other Christians by where they draw their line. Now, you may have a point here. Uh, for example, I was recently talking to a man who described how he dispatched his pets when they got too old. He asked me if talk like this made me uncomfortable and appeared to be watching my response to see if I was a sissy or not. Um, so kind of like, I'm going to talk this certain way, and because this is where I've drawn my line, that if you, if you, draw, a higher, if you draw a different line than I do, then, then you're a sissy or you love animals too much or you're a, you know, whatever, whatever. Yes, could that be a problem? Um, of, of saying, well, this is how I regard animals. And if you regard them higher or differently than I do, then that's a problem. Well, I think you do have to be careful of, uh, sure. of judging people by your own perspective of something. And, and I'm, I'm always the guy probably that points to personality, but honestly, there is probably some of that in there. And if, if your personality is one that's gruff and rough and you're always aggressive and you look at a guy who's a little bit more reserved and cautious and you're like, ah, he's just a mamby pam because he doesn't, you know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, well, no, no, that's not a righteous judgment. Um, so, well, I mean, the, to be, to be balanced, he might be, <laughs> he might be, he might, he be, might be, but, but if it's simply, it, he's not, not like, he's not like I am, you know, and I am the standard of right. So therefore right. he is wrong. So, so okay. I think there is a, a point there and, and not that I, like, I agree <laughs> yeah, with and, you. And this dude, this dude dispatching his own pets for all we know, he's a sadist who just loves <laughs> violence. <laughs> the judgment could go the other way. Um, <laughs> yeah, it certainly could go the other way. So I agree with what you're saying about, you know, these verses not really applying. However, what I appreciate is drawing in these scriptural thoughts to say, but what about this? How does that apply? Absolutely. The Bible talks about an animal there and a man's interaction <clears throat> with this animal. And I just really have to um, just uh, commend Matthew there and just thank you for the feedback um, yep. and trying to make those connections and help uh, feed that discussion. All right. Which Absolutely. one do we want to hit next? Uh, we have some feedback in our Trello board here. Um, okay. This one. Is still on. We actually have two here in the Trello board. This one is from okay. Michael, one of our patrons. He said, uh, Long ago, my dad said that we can like dogs, we have dogs, but save our love for people. People mm. can get too far with how they view their pets. Some houses have a sign that tells the firemen how many pets are in the house. I wouldn't <laughs> risk a human's life to save an animal's life. It's important to note how much the Lord values each of us about how much more important we are than many sparrows. And knows hmm. how many hairs, that's a good point, yes, knows how many hairs are on our head and, and how he numbers them. Then the biggest proof that he loves us more than any other creation is how he created us in his image and how he died in our place for our sins. Absolutely. He didn't do, do all that for our pets. <clears throat> I think people are too concerned about trying to save the planet and all the animals, but don't bat an eye at the abortion industry and the like. Ding, 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 also, ding, 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 yep, ding. That's it. <laughs> it's also interesting to note that John says that our salvation is evidenced by our love for the brethren, not by how we think about animals. All very excellent points. Wow, it reminded me of that recent thing they did in California where they actually created a bill of rights for dogs and cats for animals. Oh my. They created a bill of rights. I I'll see if I can find the link to that and include that in the show notes, but that's an actual thing that happened. And yet, 
the abortion industry is still going strong uh, yes. over there. If there's, yeah, there's some, some of the issues, and particularly that issue, is so, oh, would you say clarifying of hypocrisy? Sure. You know, when you see this, ob- or, you know, or I, I would uh, wig out over, you know, the extinction of the sea turtle or whatever, you know, or, or, or the treatment of a, of, a, yeah. of a bird in a certain marsh area. Or but bald fu- eagle eggs. Yes. Just the eggs. Yeah, but I'll fully, but I'm fully behind in funding uh, a woman's choice to, to, you know, to kill her child. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm fully behind. That just, that's, that, if that doesn't tell you that uh, truth doesn't really matter anymore and that we don't, it doesn't have to make sense. <laughs> just has to appeal yeah. to my emotions and fit within my moral grid of what I want if we're not trying yeah. to create right and wrong ourselves. Right, right. That was um, excellent feedback. Thank you. Excellent. Yeah, thank you, Michael. Yeah. There's another one here, also feedback on pets. And we also talked about deputation in that episode. Yes. Um, um, this one, why don't, why don't you read this one? Actually, um, I want to, there was one other one and I can't find it. Maybe it's a... Uh, um, is it this one? Um, one of one of maybe it was by text. Somebody else had responded that they had uh, an example of um, loving a pet to an extreme. Is that this one? Which, is it, uh, it, it, are you talking about the one where, or maybe I mentioned it in the episode? There where was the a guy wife who, developed allergies. Yes, and he kicked his wife out. <laughs> yes, and I'm sorry that was not funny. Um, he his wife. He had his wife move out until the pet dies. I, yeah. I mean, isn't that amazing? And, and our listeners yeah. are going, no way. That's but that somebody wrote that in, that he knows of a person, that scenario, of course, it sickened him, but uh, where, where the pet meant so much, you know, that, that we were going to main, we we're going to keep the pet and for now displace the wife. Yeah. Until the pet would die, I guess, and then then the wife could come back, you know, since yep. she has allergies. Amazing. Yep. Yep. Wow. Crazy. Okay, so uh, which one am I reading here? This one here is from Daniel. Um, feedback this... on the pet loving slash deputation episode. Okay, uh, good. Um, and I do want to, is this um, uh, one regarding the pet loving I recently went? Yes, okay, that's the one. That's the one that we were just talking about. Um, they plan to live apart until the dog dies. Now, uh, yep, that's it. Regarding deputation, you want me to get into that? Sure. That's kind of the next thing we got feedback on. Yes, and this I love this because I thought a lot honestly. Now I'm a list guy, um, and and so uh, I like to see things written down. But I thought we started getting a bit of feedback here about the pros of deputation. I really appreciate that. Um, and what I would like to do is even start a list of like a, a user compiled list of the pros and cons that people have seen. And, and what we're seeing, the, the feedback we're getting is people who have been on deputation or they've been a, a child of someone on deputation. So they've actually been in it. They've experienced it. Not just that they're looking mm-hmm. at it uh, from a distance, but they're, they're looking at deputation and saying, okay, from what I've, I've seen and experienced, this is the good. So this one says, um, Uh, Regarding deputation, I wanted to point out some positives that you may or may not have thought of. I grew up as a missionary kid, so I experienced deputation as a 12-year-old boy, uh, but not as the missionary. I believe deputation is something the Lord uses for good in many churches and missionaries' lives. I believe God uses deputation to send, I like this, 
to send his best preachers into churches all over the country. Neat way to put it. Um, I have experienced this in two ways. One, as a young boy, seeing God work in mighty ways in many churches through my dad's preaching. Uh, that's a neat testimony. And two, as a church member in 2015, when um, when a church planner named Thomas Balsamo came to my church on deputation in Maine, I can still vividly recall the message you preached on balance, using the life of Christ as an example. That has impacted my life greatly. That is also how I met you and consequently became a patron of the podcast shortly after it started. And um, uh, he says, I would be interested to know how many other patrons and listeners you have as a result of your deputation. Interesting. Um, hmm. but to say that, you know, he's, he's seen God work in churches. He knows that, that your preaching worked in his life, which was di obviously directly a result of the deputation process that you hmm. traveled to his church and came and presented something and preached for them. Um, and that is, that is, um, you know, j just that fact alone that a, a church, children in a church get to see a real live missionary. Mm -hmm. Here's a man who's actually going to another country. He, he's actually going sure. to some other part of the world and he's showing pictures of what that's like and, and he's going to do it. Um, yeah. To say, th this, is, this actually happens. This is real. And this is a real person. Not, not uh, oh yeah, um, you know, when I was 18, I figured out that our church gives money to some group out there and there's people called missionaries that go. No, we actually saw him in our church. We talked to him. We had him over yeah. for a meal. That's a good thing, and uh, that was yeah. a blessing that he that your preaching had worked in his life that way. Amen. Yeah. So that was part um, of one of the feedback that he he had seen. You know, the preaching of his own dad. Work. What else did we see? Yeah. Well, we got some feedback on the patron message board as well, which was a a buzz this week. There was yeah. quite a lot of activity there about not only the subject of deputation, but also Blur's Day, the subject we talked about last time. Yes. Um, a lot of activity on the message board this week because of that. If you, by the way, patreon.com slash reason together, if you'd like to participate in that conversation. <laughs> um, but yeah. this is from Nathan, who is actually on deputation right now. Right. Um, yes. And uh, it's a longer email, so I'll kind of buzz through it here. But he says, of course, there are pros and cons to it. Uh, the con being it's highly inefficient. You spend a lot of money to travel around the country and the majority of those churches will never be heard from again. Uh, however, he says there's some great benefits, which allows the missionary to be in full-time ministry as he prepares for the field. Uh, if all one had to do to become a missionary was to fill out an application and be approved and fully financed, he would miss the ministry experience that is gained from deputation. And this would also allow many more missionaries to go to the field without having gone through any difficult testing experience to prepare that them for for it like deputation would. I have some thoughts on this that that okay. might a little a little bit push back on this. Okay. Um you don't, you don't I feel mean, it's quite the testing ground that I do not. Okay. No. Um as far as the relationship between deputation and actual ministry, yeah. when you bear the the responsibility and the burden of it and you see the same people all the time and you're the face of the ministry that they know and and it kind of comes down on your shoulders if you mess things up and and all of this um there's not a lot of relationship between deputation and and actual you know ministry work now i mean yeah you get experience preaching that's good right but the actual ministry 
that's a that's kind of a small part, smallish part. Oh yeah, but of what you're actually doing. <clears throat> and additionally, part I was going to say. Go ahead. Go, go ahead. ahead. Okay. Okay. <laughs> we'll we'll play table tennis with words here. <laughs> um, but uh, part of it too is that when you're on deputation, you're in someone else's ministry. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you you don't see those people ever again, and you're not really bearing the responsibility of that work. Um, and and really, if 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 you're going to go into say like if you're going to become a revivalist, then yeah, deputation is a great experience for that. If you're mm-hmm. going to be like a mission board director who goes around raising money for mission boards, yeah, deputation is a good experience for that. But as far as actually being in the ministry, planting a church, whether it be stateside or somewhere else in the world, there's not a lot of ministry relationship between those two things. Um, now, if if you're saying, okay, deputation teaches you how to improvise, how to make do with what you have, how to kind of survive sleeping in places that aren't always up to par. Um, how to discipline then, yeah. your children when you're in when you're traveling around the countryside and always That's, in front of people. That's yes. a big deal. That's a big deal. Now, is that what you'd call ministry experience? No, I'd say that's life experience that really you ought to have before you go into deputation anyway. And deputation kind of helps hone those things. It makes you tougher when it comes to practical things. But in, in to say that's ministry experience, I think is a little bit of a reach. A little bit. I mean, there, there's a little bit, like you say, there's, there is the preaching and there is some sort of administrative elements of it. You have to call, you have to interact with people, you have to make calls, you have to follow a schedule. schedule to, yep. So there is some of that, I think. And what he's also comparing that to is, uh, what if the possibility existed that I walk into um, the dean of ministry placements office and I fill out a, I fill out an application and they go, yep, you've graduated, kept up good grades. You can be a missionary. You're fully funded. Boom. You know, yeah. well, that kid, that kid could be green. He could be immature. He could be unspiritual. Sure. Um, you know what I mean? And, and, yeah. and just sort of the testing ground of going around. Now, as you were talking, I did think about some, sometimes an element in and of itself isn't bad. And yet it seems like it could have a negative side to it. Um, yes. So uh, give me your, your thought on this. Um, one is um, the interaction with other pastors. Uh, the, the negative side of that that I've heard from a missionary is that it seemed like, you know, church after church that he went into, um, they would have their soapbox issue. It mm-hmm. wasn't, it wasn't, you know, are you doctrinally sound? Do you want to do the work? Do you have a good spirit? Yep. It was, what do you believe about this, this issue that that's big deal to us? Yep. You know, and the classic uh, manifestation of that, which just is kind of half crazy. And yet I, I, I joke about it is the famous, you know, missionary questionnaire. And by the way, if you're, if you're a missionary and you get a questionnaire, f- please feel free to forward that to me at reasontogetherpodcast at gmail.com. I would like to collect some of them, particularly if you find yes. an, an egregious or, or, or stupid one. Um, I would like to, to see that. But the, the, the question, um, you know, what does your wife wear to bed? You know, mm-hmm. because, because we are like to the nth degree on clothing that you have to follow our standard, you know, even in your own bedroom. And so, of course, the answer to that is none of your business. Um, but you right. probably won't get supported by that church. But um, you're better off. <laughs> yes, truly, truly. Um, but with the interaction with pastors, that can be a negative. And yet, can't that be a positive? Because 
part of that ministry experience, as, as he was talking about, if I could put it that way, of having to interact with other leaders and other men and men who have already, sure. m- maybe number one, recognizing their experience and their wisdom and not just like, you know, telling them all of what you know, sure. but also learning to work with different personalities. Okay. So you're a reserved guy and you go in and there's this real, you know, rambunctious guy and he's asking you all these questions like, what are you gonna do about this? And what about this? And what about this? And huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're like, um, I need time to process. Yeah. Isn't that a good, uh, opportunity right there that wouldn't have been had if you just went to the field. But I mean, everything you're describing is called life experience, right? That you don't need deputation to get, right? You can get life experience with different personalities working a job. You can learn how to make a schedule working a job. You can learn how to discipline yourself working a job. Um, These are things people should know before they become a missionary, right? And deputation well, yes. kind of weeds out those who don't already have that. Who don't have it, yes. Right, right. So. which that, that is a practical function of deputation. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I'm talking about the difference between life experience versus ministry experience. And what ministry experience to me seems to be most is bearing the responsibility of the stewardship of souls. Mm-hmm. You're doing that. Now you're not, I mean, you're not God. I'm not saying you're a demigod of some sort, but you are bearing the responsibility. You're feeding people the word of God. And if you, if you don't get it right, these people will see you again Wednesday night and then Sunday. And then the next time you're over their house visiting them, you have to get it right. And they're going to get mad at you sometimes and they're going to leave and you're going to grieve. And then they're, you know, Mm -hmm. people, other people will come. They're going to have disagreements with you. You're going to have to know what you stand for it and all of these other things. And you're the guy that is the face of that work. Whereas when you're on deputation, somebody else is the face of that work, mm. right? It's to me, ministry is the responsible part. It's the, it's the responsibility of that task where when you're on deputation, you haven't, you're not bearing it yet. You're preparing to bear it. I, and I right? see what you're, I see what you're saying. As I would say, I would say the closest relationship between deputation and an actual ministry is learning to to live by faith. Mm. Um, again, is that ministry work? No, in some ways, that's life work. Right, right. right. I mean, because I mean, a lot people, of ministry is light. You do ministry in life, and so there's a maturing right. process along with that responsibility. Well, what I mean is, people outside the ministry have to learn to live by faith too. Right, sure. Right. Um, but what's different about ministry that's, that's not the same as all these other things that are what I call life experience or life work is that in ministry, you're bearing the responsibility of the stewardship of people's souls in a leadership role that God will hold accountable for that, right? That's not what you're doing on deputation yet. Somebody else is doing that and you're visiting those places. Um, but when you're on deputation, you're living on the, the, free will offerings of God's people. And mm-hmm. sometimes it's a lot, sometimes it's a little. Uh, when we went out on deputation, we had one supporting church and that was the church that we were sent by. Um, and <clears throat> that's, I mean, you have to learn to trust mm-hmm. the process and more mm-hmm. importantly, trust the Lord that he will take care of you in the process. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is good ministry experience. So I would say that's as close to it being related to ministry as, as, as it can be, because in, in, when you get to the actual ministry work, um, you're, 
you are living by faith financially. <laughs> you know, there are these works that are supporting you. Now, along those lines, the other thought that came to my mind that seems to could have a positive and negative side here, um, and I'm and I look for your feedback, but also those of our listeners, anything that this you know kind of triggers in your mind to say, oh, but here's another thought, or here's what I think about that. Send us your thoughts, reason together podcast at gmail.com. Um, is the idea of the idea of deputation is you know it's typically said we we need your prayer and and certainly um certainly we all need prayer but uh it does seem to be sort of at the root level we do need financial support that's how we're getting to the field um mm-hmm. and so i am raising funds um by by presenting my work and partnering with you financially uh, to go over to the field. Um, my my question is, when it comes to the strategic part, the strategy of deputation, uh, I don't think that that's uh, inherently wrong because as believers, we should be wise as serpents. We ought to have, mm-hmm. you know, what man, uh, you know, intending to go to battle doesn't first sit down and see what, you know, he 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 plans out and he tries to be wise so I know there's different strategies to deputation, maybe how you schedule your meetings in certain locales at certain times, how maybe you, you're proactive about um, like studying churches and that's not uh, re- researching, you know, where does a church stand? What are they like getting uh, recommendations to say these are mm-hmm. like minded people as opposed yeah. to just like and any church that will have me in, I'll, I'll, I'll do that. You know, so there's a different strategy. And yet I think the negative can be when we begin to leave the Lord out of the strategy, and it's all about strategy. And it's um, how can mm-hmm. I my work the plan, you know, and I, yeah. and I do the plan and I get the money and I do the yep. thing because that can carry right over into ministry of I'm, I go to the field and I work the plan. Well, well is, that not, is that not just an outgrowth of the fundamentalist culture anyway? What's that? That is, that is, is it uses practical and pragmatic means to do a spiritual thing. Well, um, sometimes can't they? It just translates. Aren't, aren't they interrelated? I mean, that, are, yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Someone who believes they can just win more souls with the law of averages by knocking on more doors, mm, mm. Um, that same person is going to take that same mentality into deputation. Yeah. And unfortunately, that me- mentality permeates through fundamentalist culture until you end up with these big missions conferences where the most, the majority of the support goes to the best actors. Well, that, yeah, and that can be a problem. Now, I'm honestly a little pushback as I don't think this pragmatism is certainly confined to fundamentalism. Um, yeah, true. You know, but um, that's fair. But uh, yes, like you say. So now, now if I have the smoothest presentation, mm-hmm. uh, I show the most compelling pictures and video. I, you know, I, I do a certain way now. Now the church goes, oh, wow, well, they're really nice, or they're sweet, or he really did a good job. And, and and oftentimes they have a shallow view of what good preaching is or what a good presentation mm-hmm. is. And maybe, honestly, they've even sort of misperceived what their actual role as a church is and what deputation is. You know, yeah. are we, do we want to partner with this man and deputize him to be our representative on the field? Yeah. Um, and, and he may be a good guy and, and we, it may be a valid ministry, but maybe right. he's not the one that we're supposed to partner with. But anyway, um, well, I've told you, I've told you the story before and you've laughed about this where we were at, <coughs> excuse me, we we're at this one missions conference of a very big church and the pastor, very, very well-known guy, I guess, in his circuit. And, right. uh, you know, they and quite a circuit. 
Sure, sure. And uh, because of the pragmatic mentality of a lot of the missionaries there, it created this fleshly spirit of competition. <laughs> and I'm not about that. Now, I am naturally a competitive person, but there are times where my competitive side just shuts down out of disgust. Yeah. <laughs> This was one of those cases. Because I mean, in truth, you could oh. take down every one of those missionaries. <laughs> He's like, let me show you a little crop, my guy. Okay. <laughs> Humble you a little bit. Um, but uh, but no, I mean, the sycophantic way in which they would trail behind the pastor of the church mm. and try and schmooze him <laughs> and try and ingratiate themselves to him. Yeah. It was disgusting. And I kept my distance from that. I mean, I almost, I told, okay. I remember oh, I telling my wife, I remember I telling my wife, you know, I don't, I don't care if they choose not to support us at this point. I don't care. <laughs> right. Right. And I, I kept my distance from the pastor because I'm not going to compete with these other guys, like some sycophant. Right. And by the end of the week, I'd hardly spoken with the pastor at all. And, uh, and we get to the, this restaurant after the, the conference, kind of a celebratory thing to the end of the conference. And the pastor, it just kind of, there's only one seat left and it's right across from me. And he sits down and he's looking at me and he just pauses and he tweaks his head to the side a little bit. And he says, so what's our connection? (laughs) Which which was a polite way of saying, how do I know you? Like, how did you end up at our conference? (laughs) Right. Um, So it was, uh, yeah, and, and and that's the thing, you know, this sort of pragmatic I'm the view. Of your secretary is postman. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> there's a last minute cancellation. Yeah. Sorry, I slipped in there. No, no. <laughs> but this pragmatic view in in uh, in of ministry bleeds out into this pragmatic view of deputation, where the best salesmen and the best actors get the support, and uh, it takes a mature church to see someone who is truly called of God, who mm-hmm. will mm-hmm. stick with the work that they've been sent to. I, I'm, I praise the Lord that a lot of the churches we ended up in were not like that one I described a moment ago. Mm-hmm. They, were, they were mature churches. They were gracious churches and, and loyal, faithful churches that could look beyond the, uh, you know, the ability of a guy to sell and, and act and yeah. actually support someone. And, so. and, and yet in some ways there obviously is a strategy to deputation that makes more sense or is more practical or is more, um, you know, useful. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's the plus and, and, and the minus there of, of one thing that's not necessarily good or bad, but it's the way that we approach it, whether it's spiritually or carnally, um, that can really make a difference um, and, and look yeah. vastly different between yeah. two different missionaries. So anyway. Good. Yeah. Well, we've got to move to the next subject here because I'd like to try and squeeze this in. Okay. We've uh, got a few minutes. We've got a few minutes. I'm okay with going a few minutes over if you are. Okay. Um, just so we can squeeze in this feedback uh, here because we talked about the Blur's Day article. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And there was some feedback here that I thought was very, um, that's what I'm looking for. Um, I don't know. It it, it kind of almost it almost shut down the need for the article. <laughs> I could say if I could say that. So those of you might re- that that listened to the last episode might remember when we talked about Blur's Day, the article that we shared about uh, Satan perhaps preparing the world for the idea of the Antichrist, right? 
Um, yes. Kind of conditioning is the word that we used. And the blurs um, thing was basically saying that days don't really matter anymore because everything just blurs together and that's sort of paving the way for eliminating Sunday. Am I correct? Correct. Yes. Okay. And uh, the article talked about the sexagesimal system, which is uh, base 60, though though technically the article said base six and made the arguments based on a base six, which I think uh, was maybe not, not accurate, but- misleading. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, misleading perhaps. I don't know that it was intentional, but but misleading. Um, but one, uh, some of our feedback on this was uh, from our patrons here. Uh, one patron says, it's interesting to note that if it's true that the Babylonian calendar was based on a sexagesimal system of base 60, then from the perspective of Daniel and his original audience, Daniel 725, where it says changing of times was fulfilled when the world left the sexagesimal system. <laughs> Right. And it's like, it just, that just drops the whole article. It's just, just, it, yeah. Crickets. Yeah. Crickets. In many ways, it undermines the point of the article. Um, uh, another patron, our same patron actually notes here, this is from Omar, uh, says, uh, it's also worth noting that he shall think to change times and laws does not necessarily mean he's changing the calendar. Many theologians right. believe that this phrase is a reference to eliminating religious holidays and religious laws, um, which um, I don't know if it's in this feedback, but uh, Omar basically goes on to say that that is a common tactic of tyrannical leaders. <laughs> um, yeah. So I thought that was a very interesting insight to it. And this one here, um, this one was, uh, this one kind of hurts a little. <laughs> from from this patron uh this one says uh, oh and i thought it was funny that the author of that article thinks it would appease everyone to get rid of sundays even without counting the huge global population of practicing and nominal christians who would be upset all heathens would be very upset as well <laughs> apparently it's been a while since the author redacted here though, though you can know who it is if you read the show notes yeah. in the last episode uh he says apparently it's been a while since the author has worked in the secular world or else he would know that even the non-religious people live for the weekend the <laughs> right. many... if, you took, if you took one of their weekend days like what <clears throat> <laughs> yeah uh he says no i don't think getting rid of sundays would appease very many people in fact it would probably start another world war ha <laughs> <laughs> Um, so these are all very good points that essentially draw out kind of the, I don't know, it almost makes the article unnecessary in some ways. Um, and perhaps, perhaps erroneous, but, um, I thought that was good feedback Good um, on that. Yep. So yep. there Thank was more you. feedback on that. We might have to, I don't know, should we take that into the after show? That was on the main episode last time. Um, we, we can yeah. actually... We can yeah. just do it in the next episode. We'll yeah. just bring in some more that's feedback fine. on yeah, that. Yeah, because we, we still didn't cover really all the feedback we had, but uh, that's great um, no. to handle that. I just love that there's a, a buzz there and some conversation. Thank you, guys, and patrons. And uh, again, what Tom was referencing earlier is that there is a patron-only message board on patreon.com. Uh, so if uh, that's something you'd like to be a part of, you can sign up to uh, be a subscriber at patreon.com slash reason together. Um, and then you can discuss uh, comments back and forth just amongst the patrons themselves. Uh, otherwise, yes. send us your thoughts at Reason Together Podcast at gmail.com. Yes, thank you for being with us on this episode. Uh, we're going to head over to the after show now. But uh, for now, we are encouraging balance, developing perspective, and connecting faith to practice. This is Reason Together. Mm -hmm.